All right. I Take promise. I'm a pro- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once I get my flow, I'm good. And welcome, everyone. Joshua Loya, a.k.a. Josh with a Jedi, here for another episode of Adventure Mind with my surf brother, Mr. Charles Webb. Chaka, what's up, brother? How you doing? What's happening, Jedi? Yeah, dude, man. So, uh, for those who don't know, and I, I, I try to give uh, some Stoke for Life love once in a while. You but, carry uh, the flag very well, brother. Thank, <laughs> thank you so you. much. Thank you, dude. Um, you, your organization put on my very first surf contest, and... Uh, the U.S. Open Adaptive Surfing Championships. We're still, far as I know, we're on on uh, on schedule even with the Rona to to be ready to to do it this year. I've competed in every single one, and uh, it's it's one of the coolest things about it. And I say it all over the place because I think it's important. It's an adaptive surf contest by adaptive surfers for adaptive surfers, and I think that's that's a pretty huge thing. I appreciate the love, bro, and and we've you know we've went through. Uh, you know, a lot to, to develop the event for, you know, I'm an adaptive surfer myself. So my ears where the community is, you know, and that's where my heart is. Uh, each and every one of these surfers is, yeah. is a part of my family, my community. So I, for me, it, it's almost, I bear a responsibility to do it right. And to, and to hopefully give everybody a great experience at a great surf break at a wave of, of significant consequence, you know, when it's pumping, it's pumping. And when it's good, it's really good. Um, yeah, so. when it's pumping there, it's it's some challenges. I remember 2018 in particular. There were some gnarly waves that year. I mean, the first year in 17, we we got some really really good surf. Or was it 16? We got some really good surf on the north side. So um, I'm going to give you a little bit of inside news. We're, we're con- seriously considering holding it on the north side this year because it's such a good Ooh. wave on that side. So that's like um, my that's my home break. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that. <laughs> so um don't be surprised if uh if we end up on the north side of the pier because because the waves are, are so good on that side right now and yep. it's uh it's been carrying the south swell so good. So um it's something that's under serious consideration and, and it's it's almost a it's almost a given that we're going to be on that side this year. So depending on the swell. Yeah, you did hear it here first for sure. (laughs) Well, and what's, what's kind of neat about that too. I mean, I guess we could always have a gnarly, uh, North to South current, but I remember last year we had that crazy South to North current. My buddy, Luis, first blind guy I know to shoot the pier. He didn't do it on purpose, but it's, (laughs) we've had quite a few people unwillingly shoot the pier. (laughs) So, uh, myself included, uh, the first year at, you know, we, the the current the day two days before the event was going from north to south and then the swell switched and and it went from south to north um so which created a huge problem for us um actually it worked out better for us but um it could have been a a big problem so we have a lot of experience in the current and when it goes from from south to north it it's better for us to set up on the north side and it's safer for us. The yep. last two years, we've we've stayed on the south side um, because the waves are good as well. But this current going from south to north, um, it, it creates a bigger problem. So uh, that's another thing that we've taken into consideration is definitely the safety of the surfers. Safety of the water team is is vital for us because they, sure. you know, without them, we don't we don't reach the level of eliteness that we have, and we don't set the precedents that we have for water safety for you know for the other contests. One of the things that I think is so rad is because they're they're challenging waves. You're also 100 percent on point with the safety. I've never felt like, you know, I was going to be in a situation where I was going to get stuck out there. Or you know, yeah, I mean, anybody can you run the risk anytime you get in the water. I mean, anybody can get hit with a surfboard or whatever. But 
like the the quality of the safety team you guys have has just been super consistent. I've, that, I've never seen anything to make me wonder or be concerned about that ever. And that's love that goes out to, you know, Mike Spikerman and, and Ryan Ike and Adam Land in particular and the Surf Gimp crew and Jeff Bruder and, you know, Stoke for Life has been so fortunate to have people from the beach crew, Madison and Tiffany Barnes and these people that are in, you know, in the lifestyle of being, you know, occupational therapists, physical therapists, people that live the life of helping people to, yep. to you know, actually live a better quality of life. And then they trickle that down to, Hey, we're going to, we're going to volunteer for these events and we're going to trickle our lifestyle and our experience down to your organization. And they give that to us freely. And that's one of the things that sets us apart, you know, from, from some of other organizations is that we have the opportunity to have a large, a a great relationship with the, you know, university of St. Augustine. I speak there a few times a year. They lend us their students for all of our events, and that turns into actual practicing physical and occupational therapists like Madison and and like you know Dr. Mo, who's set yep. the precedent. I was just thinking about Dr. Mo as you're talking. And, yeah, I mean, mine and her relationship. I've been fortunate to, you know, that was the start of my relationship with her was many years ago when she was looking for inspirational speakers to come out to to the university, and you know, I said, man, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll do that for free. You know, I, I speak to students for free and I don't think that students should have to pay to be, you know, inspired or motivated, you know, or mentored or anything like that. So, you know, kids and, and students, I'm happy to to lend my time to them and, and, and do that, you know, at, you know, at the cost of my time. What, what, what's that cost me? Nothing. You know, sure. so and, and, it, and the payoff for us has been tenfold. You know, we have at any one of our surf camps, we have 20 to 30 you know, occupational students and at the U.S. Open every single year, we've had at least 50 to 100 volunteer students and practicing physical and occupational therapists come out and volunteer their time for our event. So, um, you know, I can't, words do not express my gratitude and my appreciation for them and and how they've helped us elevate ourselves and, and given the whole community, you know, confidence in the water. That's a huge thing. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing that I think is is sick. I don't know if I have this exactly right. I'm I'm pretty ninety percent sure that this is the truth. That U.S. Open uh, was the first adaptive surf contest with an actual cash payout for the surfers, in, in at least in the U.S. if not the world. Well, the it depends on how you look at it. So the first cash <laughs> prize was given out right before that, and it was just for one heat. The the main heat, all the winners from from the event heats in Hawaii in 2017 went to a, a nalu heat which was all the heat winners and and that heat winner won a thousand dollars so that was actually the first payout okay. and we want a full and, contest i guess but if you for every single podium position yeah. the u.s open is and it still continues to be the only event that pays out to every podium position right now and it's been like that for three years and this will be the fourth year um that we've done it and we're on schedule september 10th through the 13th and and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to have some some restrictions and some social distancing and a couple things. And um, but we're, we're preparing for that right now. And, and we're in works with the city and fortunate we're we have the city support and and we're one of the most important events in Oceanside to them. You know, that's coming from them. So that makes us feel really good that that they've taken on the event and said, hey, we're going to make this you know, something of importance and it carries, uh, it carries validity and, and that legitimizes us as adaptive surfers in a professional event. Well, and honestly too, like, 
you know, in just as a, a local in San Diego County, like we know what we have here. You know, you, you get all the yahoos up in Orange County, like crowding in around each other, ruining, you know, making things all complicated. We know enough not to get ire from government people and we don't have to get on the political side of it. But we, 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 we know what we have here. We want to make sure that we don't make it difficult for us to keep it. Sure. And, and you know, that's that goes out to the city of Oceanside for keeping communications with us and letting us know, hey, this is where we're at. This is what we want. This is our expectations. And, and then asking us, hey, what are your expectations? And so we're in constant communication and I have an open line to them and they have an open line to me. And, and it's great that I get calls from them, you know, on the regular of just saying, Hey, this is, this is where we're at and and we want to keep you abreast of what's going on. So that makes us feel, you know, like we have a home here, which, you know, Stoke for life was born here in Oceanside. It's where we do all of our surf camps. It's, it's where the U S open is held. And, and I'll say this for San Diego County, it's, it's fastly become the adaptive surf training camp of you know, legitimate with the world almost, you know, sure. like a, 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 there's a large amount of adaptive surfers that come here and, and compete here. And then they end up staying here or training here. Um, and, and Spending they most of their here. year here, you know, like they do I mean, even the can, all the Canadians come down here to surf. They don't go to, uh, yeah. I mean, they go to Hawaii too. Cause you do, if you're a surfer for very long, but you know, like I know Scott Patterson spent a bunch of time down here and, and obviously Ling, uh, Pai and, and Chris Oberly have all spent, you know, all of them have spent a bunch of time down this way. Sure. And, and you know, Jeff Munson and, and the list yep. goes on and on and on. Elena Nichols and, you know, so even High Fives Foundation does surf camps yeah. in the area in Orange County and in San Diego County. And so, it, you know, it's there's good waves here and there's, you know, there's great people here. And, and the atmosphere in North County, San Diego, San Diego in general is is always been, you know, it's always been a more. I think progressive thinking kind of more accepting community. Um, and that's kind of, kind of where we've been at with it. And, and we're fortunate to have a home here where they embrace us. They embrace the mission of what we're doing and they embrace uh, everything that we stand for, you know, and they're, they're willing to, you know, get behind it and say, Hey, you know what, we're, we're, we're here to support you guys. So that's real important for us. Yeah. For my part, honestly, it's, it's kind of funny, man, that I, I, live in not too far south of the ocean side, you know, let me it's, it's worth the trip up, but like to, to be in San Diego, like, you know, I got the martial arts thing and I live in the best town for jujitsu in the world. People come from Brazil and come from Japan to train in jujitsu here, which is bananas to me. And then I grew up in Santa Cruz, which is sorry, Huntington beach, the original surf city. Uh, <laughs> uh, I grew up in Santa Cruz, but I never surfed until I moved down here. And then you know, I'm in an adaptive situation and I live in what is vastly becoming the, you know, adaptive surf capital of the world. So for sure, that, I don't know. I feel pretty darn blessed. I mean, you, you know, you have the ISA event here, you have the U S open yep. here. Those are two of the biggest events outside of Hawaii, which is the longest running event. And, and they're kind of the, you know, the, the standard for what, what we wanted to do when I went to my first Dukes in 2014, um, it, that's at surf Hawaii adaptive surfing championships, uh, it changed my life. I, I was like, if I, if we're going to do an event, it has to, it has to mirror this. It has to, it has to look like this. It has to have this yep. feel. It has to be elevated to this, you know? And, and uh, so we got a lot of help from Kara Short and Richard Julian when we were developing the, the, the U S open, I leaned on their expertise and, and their friendship to, to help us, 
you know, and we brought our whole board out there to one of their events in 20, I think 2016, our whole board, uh, every one of our board members flew out there and, and to the, uh, their Hawaiian Adaptive Surfing Championship so they could experience it. So they knew, hey, this is this is what we need to be, you know, and if it's any less than this, we fail, you know. Yeah. And, and so th- th- that was, uh, you know, so that's it's a huge props to them because they've been carrying the 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 i'd say the level of expectation for right. a decade for over a decade of what what our our events should look like they've been the standard of that for a very long time and i don't think enough people pay homage to that and say hey you know what these guys have been doing it before anybody else if you're well, going to do it and i would it, hope so i mean if you're if you're an adaptive uh, surf organization and you're in hawaii i would hope you'd be raising the bar i mean it's the well, i mean i'm anyway. just talking about events in general you know gotcha. if you're throwing you. an event and you're an event coordinator or you're an, you know you're a, a contest director or contest coordinator um, you should have an expectation of what your event wants to look like and if it's not that then you're if if it's any less than that, then you're you're doing our community a disservice on a professional level. You know, amateur contests can look whatever they want to, but if you're trying to lift that sport up to a professional level, yep. they did that for us. You know, and they did it first for us, and they did it for a long time. So, um, you know, I, I just want to make sure that that I pay my respect to them for for getting our sport to where it is right now, because without that trailblaze by Richard Julian and that, you know, the, you know, access surf Hawaii in how to handle people in the water as well, what the water safety is expected to look like in Hawaii. That's why our water safety looks the way it is because I went there and experienced their water safety. And I was like, shit. (laughs) Well, and what's rad for, for me, honestly, because I've, I've been to Hawaii once only went out in 2018 was a great experience and, and a plan to go back. But like, between both the U.S. Open and that event, there, there's a thing that comes when you're out there with adaptive surfers of making sure it's safe without get, being so helpful that you're in the way and you're you're limiting their ability to push themselves as a surfer. That's, yeah, that's a fine line. For sure. You know? And and agreed that, you know, every year that I've went to Hawaii, the first couple of years that I went, the waves are huge. You know, last few years, 2018, last, they were pretty dang small. If it yeah, wasn't for the, uh, Hurricane Lane, we wouldn't have had anything good to surf that last day. Yeah. So <laughs> there's been a couple of years where they've been unfortunate and they've, you know, they've moved it to a different part of the season that's better surf up in August instead of June. Um, so I think that that serves them better and, and, and it paid off last year. There was good surf. Um, but the first two years I went in 15, 16, even I think 17 was the first year that surf, surf kind of fell off. Surf was big and it was really good and they let you reach your full potential without you know like you said getting in the way you know because it's real easy for somebody to try to be helping you but be like oh you know inhibiting you in a helpful way you know and it's like get out of the way they're like i'm trying to paddle the way get out and and they're really trying to help you they're like hey i can help you more than you can help yourself you know and it's like (laughs) no dude but they're and that's a level of their expertise of of their organization of access surf and that's because that was the first event that was built by adaptive surfers for adaptive surfers. Richard Julian built that event with Access Surf and Kara Short built that event, you know, through, through a, a, you know, an organization that helps people. And, you know, Richard Julian being an adaptive surfer himself, sure. he, he knows what it looks like. He knows what it should look like. He knows what it sounds like, you know. And, and so, you know, I just he's, – he's a good friend to me. He's a person that I've – you know, when I'm in times of like questioning, like what is, you know, I've never experienced this before. What, what, 
you know, what do I need? Yeah. That's, there's a lot of times where his phone's ringing with me on the other end going, Hey dude, <laughs> you've experienced this before. I haven't, what, you know, can you, can you give me a hand? And he's, he's never turned me down. He's never said no. You know, that guy's always been there from the first time when I went to Hawaii in 2014, coming in as a competitor, winning my first WSA event. And then the next week flying to Hawaii with a huge ego going, yeah, I'm going to kick everybody's (laughs) ass and losing. This is before they had double elimination. I lost my first heat by a half a point to Jesse Lee Henson. And he still rides that victory to this day. He doesn't (laughs) let me forget, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, you know what I was, I was like, holy shit. And and Rich right. pulled me aside and just went, "Hey, dude, you're missing the whole picture, bro. Like you're you're not even looking yeah. around at what you're a part of. You're so zoomed in on this one thing that you're missing yeah. the whole journey, bro. Like slow down, look around yeah. you, and enjoy the ride, bro. And and I, honestly, dude, when I you know when he said that to me, I was like, yeah, fuck, what do you know? You know what I mean? But on the plane ride home, bro, I was finally, you were like, Oh, okay. No, seriously, bro. I was, you know, I was like, dude, you know, I'm I'm on a mission, you know? And I, and he was right. I couldn't see past my own nose despite my face. You know what I mean? And I was like, when I was flying home, it really hit me. I was like, this guy was so right. And I really need to like look around because that was an awesome, amazing thing that changed my entire life. And the way I looked at everything, I was like, I'm going to that event every single year. There won't, I'll beg, borrow, I won't steal, but, but I'll beg and borrow to get myself there. And, and, uh, and, you know, it's, it's that event has went on to change the lives of many surfers, man. And, you know, when you won the Duke, when, when it was the Duke and when you win the adaptive surfing championship, it carries weight. It means something. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's a part of like a world championship type deal. You know, that's, that's the first for me, that event carried so much weight. I was like, I got second place in 2016. And that was like, that's like the highlight of my career, bro. You know, getting second. Well, I, I can relate. Know. I mean, I got, I got second and, you know, uh, I don't know how big of a gap, but you know, Matt Formson just edged ahead of me in 2018, but still I felt damn good about my second place when, when I was out there. The you know, best was, of the best is at that event yeah. in every, in every single category, the best of the best show up there. And, uh, and so, and it's on a great wave. So when the waves are breaking at Queens, bro, and it's four or five, six foot, sure. it's a, it's, it's the best venue St- we've got. Still the longest know? ride I've ever had still at Queens. Yeah. And that's, it was just nuts. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that event, it really is, is what the reason, you know, why we wanted to be what we are is because we, we had the assistance and the mentorship and the guidance of, of the people that threw that event. So I don't ever want to let anybody think anything less that like, I just did this by myself or, you know, stoke for life just was able to do this. We had a lot of help to get to where we were and we, and it took a couple of years to do it. Um, but over that time with a lot of people, you know, their friendship and the same kind of mission of, we want to elevate the the sport of adaptive surfing to a certain point of, we're, you know, we want to be considered professionals. You know, the, the, the Paralympics is a great, is a great goal and it's a long ways away. And there's a lot of work that has to be done for that to happen. Yep. And people are willing to put in the work and that's awesome. But right now we can have a professional platform to train those Paralympians to what it's like to be at that level of like, when you yep. stand on the podium to get that gold medal, what's it going to feel and have like? It mean something too, you know, you know, Hey, how do you handle that? You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Hey, you've been at the Hawaiian adaptive surfing championships. You've been at, you know, the U S open, you've won a paycheck, you've held up some money and went, you know what, I'm a professional now. And this is, you know, and, and hopefully we'll, 
you know, and then in the, that span of time, we'll elevate this sport and we'll have a three-stop tour, a four-stop tour, something like that, which, you know, right now we have the ability to do. And, and you know, it's basically we have the events to do it, but this COVID thing basically put a stop to the whole gig. Yeah, it, it so, was it was nuts, man. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm still thinking back to 2014 when we were there, man. It was uh, 2014, March 14th when we were there. It was like we all knew. Things are going to get gnarly, so let's enjoy this night the best we can. Sure, you know, and then, um, but uh, I was so stoked, by the way, that uh, <clears throat> that the ISA reached out. I mean, I know there's you know kind of been you haven't had an exactly a, a, an easy relationship with the ISA, and, and some of us have our criticisms, but I was glad to see that they reached out to the wave ski folks and, and that you were able to come in and and uh, show people what you could do. Uh, you know, I'm grateful that they're willing to to adopt and develop, you know, other classifications and other things that make more sense for the sport to give it an even playing field and, and a fair playing field. And they, and they've done that, you know, and, it, and you know, it's, it's, they've went through trials and turbulations. We've went through trials and turbulations. We've done, you know, we've bumped our heads a couple of times and, and it is what it is. And, and now we're at a better place and, and we're all, the world is doing the same format. So when you, go to the U.S. Open, when you go to the Hawaiian Adaptive Surfing Championships, when you go to the ISA, you're doing the same thing. And you're, there's no variation now. There's no the cross, you know, this division surfing with this guy's, you know, these guys. You and I aren't surfing in the same division. <laughs> that's a good thing, you know. So, um, you know, and, and it, it, didn't, it didn't happen overnight for any of us. For sure. You know, I'm fortunate where I, I don't have to answer to a governing body. So I was able to just go, this is what it should look like for us. And this yep. is how we're going to do it. And, and we had the expertise of, of Dr. Mo Johnson and she had the knowledge of what it should look like mechanically, uh, you know, and, and medically what it should yep. look like on a, on a professional level, Paralympic level on every single level. And she did years of study and research before I even came along. I just, we just happened to develop a relationship and be both in surfing and she had been seeing adaptive surfers and her life is she's a professor of occupational therapy. She's a doctor of occupational yep. therapy. So she holds a PhD. She's a teacher. She's a teaching at a, you know, professor level every day. Uh, so in a, you know, in a real university. So it's sure. not like something that she's, you know, she's on the cutting edge of every, you know, thing that's happening right now in that realm. And so to have her, for me to be able to go to and say, Hey, I want to develop a classification system, but I can only do this. I can only lay it out with a blueprint of what it looks like, but I need to have a medical term and a medical minimum requirement test that legitimizes it. And sure. she was, she's, I mean, who better? She, you know, she's a, it, it was like a, you know, divine intervention, whatever you want to say, people are put together in their lives to do certain things. And, and we were put together to do something and, and we accomplished it with the U S open um, and in developing that classification system. And still we didn't get it right the first year and it, we didn't get it right. The second year, the third year was, was really close to as, as, You guys made history, man. Get. It was the first time I didn't have to compete against people who could see, <laughs> you know, and it's a hard thing because the, you know, everybody's take is the numbers, how many people are going to be there. You know what? I'll, I ran a heat with two people in it. So what? Sue me. Yeah. You know, I gave them a paycheck for, for showing up. I, if they got first and yeah. second, they got money for it. We can't do that every single year, but if we're going to sure, develop. But it was good to do the inaugural year to kind of help 
hey, if we're going to develop know. these divisions, people have to know that these, A, these divisions are open the, the, and you can surf in them and you're still going to get paid. You know, yeah, can I do it with one person? No. If one person shows up, do I have to mix a division? If one person with partial vision shows up and then there's four fully blind guys, do I have to cross and send him in there? I do. But, you know, and, and, and it is what it is because th- those numbers don't support it. But if I have two guys or three guys, three guys is the minimum. I can open a division with three people and yeah. that's what we've done. And, and that's what other people continue to do as well. It's not just us. We didn't, you know, that's not our claim to fame. Like other people did it before well, it us. Was, you know? For me, it was, it was particularly encouraging though, honestly, just because, you know, on, on the visually impaired side of things, you know, like there are different things you can do. When you can see the lip of the wave, you can get a little bit of head dip. You can take a uh, shot at getting barreled. If, if you can even enough. see a wave coming at you, it's a yeah. competitive advantage. Yeah, for sure. So, and that's one thing that A, as a contest director, creator, whatever, I've had to dissect everything. And that's where my brother, you know, comes in. You know, he was the contest coordinator for the Bud Surf Tour for, I don't know, 18 years or something like that. And they were the first, you know, tour to really elevate the money and hand a surfer a $50,000 check. And, sure. you know, my brother helped develop that. So he knows what it's like to see a sport go from a fledgling professional sport to a full-fledged you know, sport where people can make a living and get paid and get sponsorship. So um, the reason why the event looks, you know, from 17 to 18 looked vastly different because in 2017, I was the contest coordinator and in 2018, (laughs) he was the contest coordinator. So you can see the, the difference in elevation was, was huge. Even the layout, he's able to see things that I'm not able to see. And he knows the politics of surfing. He knows, the ins and outs of, of things that I just don't have, you know, even though I watched him do that for my whole life and I knew what he was doing and I was very close to it. There's just things that, you know, experience gives you. And and I'm lucky to have him as a board member of Stoke for life and him as a contest director and coordinator of the U S open, because it really, you know, he's done, he, you know, the van's, us open in huntington beach he was a contest coordinator for that in the 90s and you know he's been to hawaii and done a bunch of hpac events there and and he's done over 200 professional events so to have that kind of experience over yeah, it you shows know, almost man. 20 it, it years shows. it's it's you know i can't you know it's uh, it's <laughs> like it's like i say i get you know it's these people that I'm connected with that, that are in my life, like Mo and like my brother and just these relationships, they were, they were a gift to me and it's not mine to keep, it's mine to pay forward. And that's, you know, what we're trying to do is like, look, here's the layout and you know, it's, it's for everybody's to use, man. It's not for ours to keep. It's for everybody to say, Hey, look, if this makes the most sense here, here it is, use it, you know, and and fully, you know, it doesn't cost you anything except for maybe your pride of like saying, Oh, you know, well, we were doing this and well, well, that doesn't serve the community the best. This works maybe a little bit better. And if somebody sure. comes along with something that works even better than that and we go, you know what? That makes more sense because we were prepared to do that in a sense with other classification developments. We weren't set on ours. We were just using ours as like, OK, this this is where we're just developing it. We were expecting other other events to have input on it that would make more sense. And it just so happens that it didn't work out that way that ours kind of worked out to be um, the standard, which is great. Now we have a standard. Great. That's like, let's put <laughs> that behind can, us. Now we can and, move forward and start and expanding the sport a little bit Let's more. now find corporate sponsorship. Let's now yep. find, uh, you know, sustainable 
paychecks for these events that that they're not building they're not taking money away from access surfs programs to build their events they're now having corporate sponsorships that are going to step in and go we're going to support this event on a professional level here's x amount of dollars to float your event um, and there's no expectation of anything in return other than lifting up a sport and and giving you know adaptive surfers a professional platform that's the payoff is is helping people achieve their goals and their dreams of becoming a professional you know, what's wrong with that I, nothing as far as I'm concerned, but you know, of course I have a vested interest cause I'd like to be a professional sure. surfer. So there's that. So I, I want to make sure though, cause, uh, I know we have people who are listening that have no clue about adaptive surfing. They probably have heard Jose's story already. Cause, uh, just got together with Jose Martinez last week. It's amazing person. Um, uh, such a sick dude. I love that guy. Uh, but, uh, I want to hear a little bit about your story. I know a little bit about it, but, um, if you willing to get into it, I think that, uh, Sure. That'd be helpful for people. Um, I was, uh, got in a motorcycle accident in 1986, uh, where I was run over by a car and, and, uh, became a T seven, eight paraplegic. Uh, You know, my life was surfing. My brother was a contest coordinator of the bud surf tour at that time. The surfing was taken off in the eighties. Uh, you know, Joey Bram was my next door neighbor in 84 when he won the pipe masters and just, you know, our, our community, our, it was our culture. Surfing was our culture. So I felt, you know, like that, it, it was really hard for me to, to watch that as a paraplegic in 1986, 87, when there wasn't really life rolls on and there wasn't really any, nothing for you guys. There was nothing. For, for, bro. For, yeah. and, and my friends weren't, you know, they were smart enough to just throw me in the water, but they weren't <laughs> smart enough to throw me in the water with a surfboard or something that I could actually surf on. Um, so I went years with only, you know, just being in the water randomly and, and not really, you know, I, pl- I picked up a guitar and I, I, you know, I played a lot of music and I, I was in a, a pretty heavy rock band for 20 years and cut a bunch of albums and played the whiskey and traveled and did a tour. And so music became my life other than surf, because it was, it was actually like, you know, watching my girlfriend with another guy, like watching my brother surf. It hurt that bad that I still yeah. couldn't share that thing with my brother. And, the thing you and most this, wanted to do. Totally. And it was it yeah. was the thing that we, you know, me having an older brother, there was, I was always following in his footsteps as an athlete, as a, as a, you know, as anything that I did, my brother did it first and he did it probably better than I did. Um, surfing was the first thing that I ever beat my brother at. We were on the surf school. We were on the high school. <laughs> had to surf feel pretty team. good, right? The first time you're like, yeah, bro, how you like me now, bro? <laughs> you know, to, to beat my brother in a heat, we both advanced, but I beat him in a heat. And to do that, I was like, it, it gave us an even playing field. At that point, I felt like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm up here with him. Like I wasn't following him. I was equal to him. You know, not that I was better. I just felt at that point I was equal and that was enough. You know, to be equal yeah. with your big brother is like that was the, that was and to surfing, hold your own with your big brother. I mean, you know, I'm an only child, but I can grasp it a little bit. You know, surfing gave that to me. You know, yeah. it, it, trust me, I, I got my ass kicked by my brother a lot. <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't too many times where I got the better of him in that side of it, or baseball, or anything. You know, like right. he was always a really good athlete. So to to surf, have to surf against him in a surf heat, I was like, oh God, I got to surf against my brother. Like to to see the heat draw and to to actually You're know. Like, oh, really? Really? Yeah, I get my brother in a heat draw. I'm like, what? You couldn't have put us on opposite sides of the draw or anything like that? Like we're on the same side. So, um, but it, you know, he, to his credit, he was not bummed at all, bro. He came running up to me and was like, dude, I'm so stoked for you. And, that's cool because there's nothing worse cool. than a sore loser. If somebody can be supportive and appreciate, then that's that's what's cool about our to take a little side trail. I think for the most part, well, there are exceptions for sure, 
But I think most people in our community are pretty encouraging to people who, you know, we don't have too many sore losers. Most, sure. most people in our community seem to be pretty supportive of the other people. Yeah. Get what's and going and on. I mean, at that time I was a young kid. I didn't expect that from my brother. I expected him to keep kicking. I mean, he advanced out of the heat. So that's, you know, maybe if he would have got eliminated, it would have been a different story. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. but, but to have him come up to me and give and to validate me and go, bro, I'm stoked for you. Congratulations. It was something that I had never experienced at that point in my life. I was 16 years old and I was just like, it made me have that much more admiration for my big brother. I was like, dude, I want to, I want to be like that guy. Like, you know, it, it, and, and to this day, you know, my brother sets a precedence for me as a father and as a person, as a worker, you know, he's somebody that lends his expertise to me on, on a daily basis and his, his knowledge, you know, and, uh, it's helped me a lot because I'm a hothead and I got a big mouth and <laughs> I charge you know, into we, things with my mouth. I, I, first I, love, I love, I love sitting out there in the parking lot with you, you know, whatever. And, and hearing you rant about this or that, cause it's, it's damn entertaining, dude. I got to tell you for sure. And, and you know, my brother's the one that's had to tell me, you know what, dude, you're in a different position now than you were as just a competitor. You know, when I was a competitor, I could tell you to fuck off and be like, yeah, you know, I'm pissed at you. Fuck you. You, know, you, could, but now, you could lose a pretty dramatic sponsor for your event if you say that the wrong totally. way at the right, wrong time. You know? And, you know, he's – and honestly, I'll be honest with you. In 2014, in the first championship race that I was in for the WSA title with Chris Oberly, um, in the in the last – you know, was at that the championship paddle thing round, that you won? Or? No, that, this was WSA Western Surf Association Oh, this is the one that you won right before you went to Hawaii. Yeah, and gotcha. so, uh, you know – having going through a whole season with Chris and surfing like six events and having the lead change three different times, he'll win an event. I'll win an event. He'll win two. I'll win one. It just went like that the whole season. And basically it was at, at the last event, you get double points and whoever wins that, it didn't matter if he was trailing me by a hundred, he was going to get double points. So he's going to win. And if he wins that heat, then he beats me. Um, and this is one of my best friends. This is somebody that I've yeah, trained Chris is with. A rad dude. Love that dude, guy. I've spent years traveling and going to different events with him. And, and he was the one that kind of got me into competitive adaptive surfing. And, and so to be in a heat with him that to both of us meant a lot. And we were both at each other's throats. We were banging elbows. We were, and it was something that was out of character for both of us and our friendship. And, and my nieces and my brother were on the beach and, me and Chris got into kind of a paddle battle. And when we hit the beach after the event, we didn't know who won. And we were both kind of being pissed. And we weren't, you know, it was very yeah. out of character for both of us. And and we exchanged some words. And they weren't words that were, you know, it wasn't terrible. But it was, you know, what are you doing this? And why were you doing that? Not you know? a lot of aloha shared on the shore. No. And my nieces <laughs> were watching that. And so my brother, you know, when I got in the car and I was changing my clothes, my brother came up to me and said, hey, stupid like a that's one of your best friends b your nieces are sitting here watching this what kind yeah. of competitor do you want to come off to them they're in sports they're going to college they're doing all these great things what kind of competitor do you want to see them you know be do you want to see them be this and uh and and it made it was a it was an odd moment for me of just like dude and it's something that I've never done ever again. I don't pay attention to what people do in my heats. I just, I'm in my own head and just doing my own thing. Yeah. And, and that was a learning experience. And, you know, that I immediately went to Chris and just said, Hey dude, I apologize. Like that was one of the dumbest things I've ever done. And, you know, and, and to this day, me and him have a great relationship and he still teaches me life lessons, even though he's younger than me, he's, 
much more level-headed and uh, <laughs> a much more thoughtful person than I am. So on many occasions, he's helped me curb my my opinion or my attitude or, you know, where he's just went, hey, bro, take, take a second and think about this. And, and, you know, he's helped me along the way as a competitor, just, you know, be a better competitor. So how how do you surf? Obviously I know the wave ski, a lot of people listening, you know, maybe they know a little bit about me. Maybe they learn a little bit about Jose. How do you surf? I surf on a wave ski sitting down with a kayak paddle. Um, so it's not a kayak. It's not a sit on top kayak. It's basically a surfboard shape for a disabled person. There's many versions of a wave ski. There's max skis, there's infinity wave skis. Dave Dom shapes my boards for, uh, from King's Paddle Sports. He's been a sponsor and a, a great supporter of the adaptive surf movement. He's a sponsor of the U.S. Open. Um, he's just a great person. And so Steve Bainey and so so many other people that have lent their expertise. You know, Steve Bainey was the first guy to really do it down here and in Southern California with the wave ski guys. Um, and Freddie Carrillo was the, you know, what we, what I call patient zero for, for my division, <laughs> for my guys, Freddie yep. Carrillo was the first guy that went to Steve Bainey and said, Hey, you know, like Steve, I don't know, you know, basically they approached each other and just said, Hey, let's, let's get this guy in the water. And, and Freddie was, you know, Freddie's as punk rock as it gets. If anybody knows Freddie <laughs> Carrillo, he is punk rock and, 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 uh, and I love him to death and he's a, a, a person that's, you know somebody that blazed a trail for me and, and everybody that rides a wave ski because he, he got out there and did it before anybody else. And that's gotta be kind of a scary thing as somebody that, that kind of did the paddle boarding thing, you know, before anybody else, I kind of get right. the feeling of like being out on the open water on a vessel that you don't know what's going to happen, which is what I did at BOP and what Freddie did on a wave ski. It's, you know, you have to have a certain mindset of just like failures, you know, is obviously, the thing that I'm going to have to overcome right now and expect, I expect to fail at this right now. And, and when you don't, it's a great victory, you know? And, and so, you know, when you go out with that mindset of you're, you're going to fail before you're going to succeed, expect that, you know, then, then there's no great expectation and there's no great letdown. <laughs> there's no like, Oh God, you know, there's no dramatic. Like I have to off. be the best. And if I don't, if I'm not the best, then I'm garbage. And exactly. you know, I should just not step out in the water anymore. Yeah. And so luckily Freddie, you know, succeeded and, and elevated and, and basically dragged this sport. And, you know, I don't know how him and, and Richard Julian hooked up, but Richard Julian ended up hooking up with, with Steve Bainey and the guys from infinity. And that's how that got over into Hawaii. And, um, so there's a, there's a large trail of that, that happens and it, and it happens directly from Steve Bainey. Um, and he was the one that first shaped my surfboard. He got me in the, in the water the first time that I actually surfed on a wave ski. It was because of him. And, and it was because I did, you know, I did BOP battle of the paddle in 2013 on a paddle board, uh, it was basically an honored ability board, which is a wheelchair on top of an 11, six paddle board. So it's like, that's a basically lot to try to move through there. the water besides I'm sure I paddled five miles on it. And then I surfed yeah. a wave in, you know, which Steve Bainey <laughs> saw me surfing on this thing. He's like, this guy's going to kill himself. So Steve reached out to me after he saw that and said, Hey dude, I, you know, if you can surf on that, you can definitely surf on this. Um, and so that's where Mark Thornton and Chris Oberly come in and, and, you know, I went with Steve and, and met the crew and it was Chris Oberly and it was, it was Mark Thornton and, and those guys lent themselves to me and said, Hey, you know, Mark gave me a board and said, here, surf on this board until Steve shapes you one. And, and, and Chris paddled out with me every day, you know, and, and surfed different places with me that other people didn't want to surf. You know, surfing Oceanside Harbor on a wave ski is not, 
<laughs> it's not the brightest idea anybody's ever had, you know? So, well, and I'm sure like you run into this and, you know, I run into this different ways, you know, where people like, for the most part, they, they, they see you out there and they're like, there's, they don't really know how to process it first. And then they're like, Oh dude, you're surfing. Does that happen? Like what? And they, they kind of figure it out. You have some people who are stoked on and some people are like, what the fuck are you doing on the water? Dude, you have no idea. I mean, Oceanside's a pretty localized place. It's not hugely yeah. like you're going to get kicked out of the water, but people will right. kick you off the peak. Um, and I've surfed here my whole life. So when I paddle out into the water, it's not uncommon for me to see a bunch of local guys that I grew up with um, yeah. or old pro surfers, Mike Lambrizi or anybody, you know, any of these yeah. old cats that's been around here forever. Um, and, and and they'll be like, hey, Chaka, what's up? But I've been, you know, I've been brutally approached at my home break by people and, and I've been cut off by guys that were like, hey, get your butt board out of here. You know, and I'm like, hey, bro, you're not the wave police and B, I'm a paraplegic and I'm pretty sure I've got the, you know, A, the ability and the right to surf anywhere that I want, you know, so um, in you know, and I get it. People show up and they see, you know, a, a board like that and they're like, oh, that's dangerous. And, and, you know, in some respects it is, if you, you know, if you don't know how to use it and you don't know yep. if you don't have a lot of water knowledge and you don't know the break yep. and you don't know, you know, yeah, you're going to put people in danger, but that's not me, you know? And yep. have I, have I hit somebody at the Harbor? Yeah. I, you know, unfortunately hit a girl one time and, and it really sucked, but it, it's a two-way street well, and it's like, well, I can hey, relate. It's, I've, I've been hit because people thought my rash guard was a joke. Sure. You know, and, and <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, when you're in the water, you have to be aware of the person on the wave as well. So if a yep. person's on the wave and you're like, oh, I'm going to paddle to the face of the wave and try to get over it and you're going to inhibit them rather than paddling to the white water and just taking a duck dive and taking it on the head and not inhibiting yep. their wave. Then, you know, use your common knowledge uh, or your common, you know, respect for the water as well. And, sure. You know, take the one on the head and go duck dive. You know, don't paddle the face of the wave and try to, you know, out paddle the guy and get run over and, and then blame him. Ah, oh, you didn't watch out for me. It's like, dude, <laughs> you know, and that's what happened in the case when I hit this girl. She tried to out paddle me, you know, and she paddled out to the face of the wave instead of paddling where she was. And I clipped her. I didn't hit her real hard, but I clipped her. Um, and I didn't stop. I didn't get off the wave. I didn't felt like I ran her straight over, but, sure. um, it did scare her and she did cry. And, and so some guy I approached bet. me on the beach and was like, Hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he came at me and was like, and I'm like, Hey dude, you know, like dude, surfing is, it's a, it's a contact sport sometimes. And sometimes you're going to hit somebody and that's yep. just the way it is. Did I mean to hit her? No. Did I do everything I could to get out of my, got, you know, stop from hitting her? Absolutely. Did she do everything in her power? No. She froze up and was like, ah, she, A, she tried to paddle, like outrun me. And then when she realized she couldn't, she just froze. And it was like, yeah. and I was just like, oh, and I wasn't expecting that. So it made it really like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You it, know? It, well, it's kind of like one of those things where like, I mean, uh, you know, if you're driving, you got two people trying to like at a four-way stop sign, you know, sometimes things happen. Yeah. You know, and, and it was unfortunate. And I, I, you know, I said, Hey, are you her dad? And he's like, no. And I'm like, do you know her? And he's like, no. And I'm like, okay. So <laughs> you're just accosting me because I clipped this girl. And did she get a ding on her board? Is she bleeding? No, nothing like that. It just, it just scared yeah. her. And, and, you know, so, 
Um, it was unfortunate, you know, and I've, you know, I've, I've had to confront people and just, you know, and you know, here's the sad thing is Chris Oberly is such a nice guy that he's, you know, we surfed together so many times for so many years sure. and he's been approached by so many people and he's so nice and he just doesn't say anything. He'll just be like, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, and, and at a certain well, point, well, he is Canadian. They say sorry about everything. He's not Canadian. <laughs> not <laughs> yet. He? No, he's not. His girlfriend's Canadian, okay. but uh, he lives, he lives I, in Canada. I get confused. He lives in Canada. Confused with her right now but no he's actually from kansas he's so um but i've i've had to have confrontations with other people because they were confronting him because he was just and they were so on him just like god oh, oh, they were just drilling him so hard i'm like hey man take it easy you know and then i get offended because he's not offended <laughs> like they want to stick up for yourself man say something <laughs> And, and you know that's where he teaches me lessons in the water where he's just like dude it's not worth sometimes it, it's not worth it to get all gnarly and it's not you know, it just ruins it's the whole funny vibe though of like for session. me like you know my friends who aren't uh and you know who are sighted they usually get more angry at people getting weird with me than i do but you know maybe that's because you know like in our respective situations you know we're kind of used to it we kind of know like sometimes people just don't get it sure you know, and whatever but they're protecting you man they're they they yeah. Look, this is what I've learned in the water. It's yeah. It's everybody's gift. It's for everybody to share. And nobody Fully. has the right to say, you can't come here. You can't experience this. On a certain level, should you know your limitations and respect the locals in every place and go, if I'm not able to go out and paddle at Cardiff and handle the peak at Cardiff, I've got no business being out there in a group of you know 20 people that I know I'm going to have to battle somebody for a wave and call somebody off and put, you know, position myself and get in and out of, of, you know, a couple people that might be on the inside. If I'm not capable of doing that, then I've got no, I've got no, you know, reason to be there. You know, I should yeah. be surfing somewhere else. That's a lower ability wave. That's not a high performance wave where a lot of people are going to congregate and be on one peak. And you're going to have to navigate a lot of, a lot of, there's going to be a lot of navigational skills required. Um, well, and that's why, like, for, for my part, you know, like, it, it was a while before I went out to Cardiff. You know, yeah, sure, I do jujitsu with Joel, but that doesn't mean that I'm on his level as a surfer. That's his break, any though, man. So if you're yeah, his student, you, you've got well, carte blanche to paddle out no, there. No, for sure. Like, I got and, – and, you know, the thing is, is people know, you know, who, who, who know Joel. They, it's like, oh, yeah, there's the guy, he, whatever. So, like, I've been out there when he's been there, but still, like, it's one thing to get that pass. But at the same time, if I get the pass and I can't hang – you got, you, you got to make sure waste. you're ready for the break you're going for through. sure for sure yeah. and and cardiff is a great wave and and hopefully we're going to have a it really lends itself to adaptive surfers because it's, a, it's supposed a, to have a contest out there yeah he's supposed to so we're, we're just hoping that that uh you know that this covid thing you know it's really put a whole it just squashed all the momentum that we had going yeah. into hawaii right after the you know this event in uh the isa event in march um, yep. June was coming and Hawaii was had built a bunch of steam from last year from actually being a standalone event, stepping outside Duke's Ocean Fest and being a standalone event on their own. They had great success and and uh, they really had a lot of momentum and they agreed to, you know, and this is something I'm not sure a lot of people know. Some people know, but we've put together a three stop world tour and it is going to be, you know, England, Hawaii and the U.S. Open. Um, so it will, you know, hopefully the event will start this year in 2020 in October in, in England. But you know, that's not looking like it might be able to happen. So, um, but it will be a three stop international tour and it will be, 
you know, there will be points. There will be hopefully be sponsorship and money for, for each event. But the U.S. Open is always going to be the U.S. Open. And it's always going to have a cash prize purse. And we're always going to do our thing. But we want to have the ability to add something else on for the overall points winner and the champion yeah. of, you know, something. And, and if we can find some kind of corporate sponsors to support that, um, then that's, you know, that's what we're putting together right now. As, as So that's, you know, so you heard it here, not, not first, but, you know, we've got you know, that world championship tour kind of put together and this whole COVID thing just kind of kind of put that on on hold. So well and if we have a Vans there. executive or anybody else who's like, well crap, I want to make sure I sponsor that. <laughs> you know, that's um we've been fortunate to to be able to pass the package to a couple of people that um that are, you know, legitimately hold the the ability to help us. Um, so I'm not going to name any names, but, um, for sure. you know, for sure. but, but we're, we're still very hopeful that, that things can happen. And we've got a lot of people in our corner and we've got three great, you know, organizations that are throwing events in, you know, Stoke for life in access surf and in uh, surfing England, which, you know, they're a great proponent for their country and great supporters of the adaptive surf movement. And they're doing a lot of stuff for, for stuff over there. So, um, you know, for them to jump on and say, Hey, it's important for us to support this idea of a professional surf tour. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So you personally, uh, going back to a little bit, your experience on, uh, on some of this, you've been to Hawaii, obviously you've been to Oceanside cause that's your home break. Um, where's some of the other places you've had the opportunity to surf both either before or after your, uh, current spot? Uh, I've surfed Maui, Lahaina, Breakwall, Harbor Mouth, some places in Maui. I've gotten to surf a couple different places on Oahu. Um, realistically, man, I surfed Mexico a ton when I was a kid before my accident. So I got to go to K38s before, you know, 1981, 82, when K38s was like, you paddled out on a seven or eight foot day and there was five locals out there. It wasn't like it is now. Sure. Um, so I got to surf a lot down there. I got to do a lot of fishing and a lot of surfing down there, uh, before my accident. So, um, just ventured down to Rosarito and Ensenada and, you know, fishing off of Todos Santos and, you know, surfing out there, K55s and 38s and different places down there. Um, you got to think in Costa Rica now though, that's like kind of an adaptive friendly sort of surf spot or something well um it's not it's not open yet and i'm not i'm not exactly sure of the name it's built um and my friend uh uh i'm not gonna i, I can't really say his name right, right now because right. he doesn't want me to put it see, out see, there see here i have to see but I have, it, it is an I, all accessible you know. it, it, i can tell you what it is okay. it's an all accessible 15 room resort it's got an accessible pool. It's got access to the beach. Every single room is ADA, American ADA compliant. Um, and it's it's built by a person that's son is, is a paraplegic and they surf and they, they live the culture and they love the culture. And um, this person is one of the most giving and loving people. And I've had the opportunity. I went to high school with them. I've had the opportunity to, to grow up around this person and know this person their true, their true heart. And fortunately his son got shot in a carjacking, um, when his son was, you know, I don't know, 19. So super traumatic. His sure. son became paraplegic and, and now they live the life, man. And they don't, they walk the walk, man. And they talk the talk, dude. And and so when they said, Hey, I'm going to build this place down there, uh, he built it and, and it's there and it's done. Um, the final touches, just the little 
aesthetics of it are going on it but obviously international travel is inhibited right now so we can't go down there but stoke for life will be going down there with a crew of people a crew of adaptive surfers um you know we haven't handpicked them yet and and i've got a fair idea of the number of guys and who we're going to be taking for water support and, and the surfers that we're going to take down there and we're going to basically teach their people down there how to handle adaptive surfers how to do the equipment what to you know and we're going to be their ears and and their their backbone of of their program down there and and uh and he's going to have a place where we're going to be able to take adaptive surfers two three times a year um and stoke for life will do pay for the you know the air flights and those guys will pay for the for the lodging and we'll go down there and we'll surf and we'll fish and and we'll do all kinds of cool stuff and uh so that's that's an opportunity that we have and that'll be a lifetime thing for stoke for life and and uh because i've got a great relationship with this person and he's got a great relationship with a lot of people in the adaptive surf realm so th- that's not only going to be stoke for life it's going to have the opportunities to do these things it's going to be other organizations are going to get the opportunities to do these things as well because he's a great person and he's going to help as many people as he can so so there, there are all sorts of crazy and cool things happening in the adaptive surf community in the background that you'll start seeing seeing more news about as uh as we could lift the cone of silence, so to speak. Sure. Um, yeah, for the U.S. Open, man, it's it's happening. And, and I just want to put that thing out there about the north side of the pier because I know a lot of people are, were hoping that sometime that that would, that would happen. So, um, and, and for, for, uh, for the people that are listening that are in my particular situation, uh, if we can get two other uh, totally blind surfers and at least three uh, partially sighted surfers, that we got two separate divisions. So let's, let's make that happen, you guys. Yeah, you know... <sighs> Here's, you know, here's a couple of unfortunate things and we'll just put it out there now because the time's coming where op- registration is going to be happening and we're going to be starting to promote the event. Um, we, we are unable to support a few of the other divisions that we've supported over the last few years. And one of those divisions is the deaf division. And I know I'm going to get a lot of kickback for that because, um, you know, it's, it's it, the deaf aren't supported a lot in the community as far as adaptive surfing. Um, and it's, it's, it's difficult right now with the situation that we're in because we're doing a full tour and we're doing a certain criteria that I can't make the other contests develop a deaf division. You know what I'm saying? Um, And outside of what we're doing right now, financially, we can't support the deaf division because it's not a division that's really supporting itself. We don't have 10 surfers that are coming out. We get maybe four or five that come out. Um, A little tight. It's, and yeah. it, it makes it hard for us to say, hey, look, if we had 10 surfers coming out and we could do, you know, three, two man, three, three man heats or, you know, three, four man heats, get 12 surfers. That really financially it helped. We were able to they're able to support their own division and we're able to still give them money without having to take it from somewhere else or, or having sponsors say, hey, we have to have enough sponsors where this prize pool purse is this big to include them. We have other divisions that are stronger that are supporting themselves that that are you know that need to be supported through that and it's a sucky thing and it's it's a you know and it's it's much like the classification where some people classify out and they just and it sucks and it's a part of the deal but if we want this platform and we want to create this professional platform there's certain things that that we just you know if everybody can support if the English Open can support a deaf division and the and 
and the Hawaiian adaptive Hawaii, surfing yeah. can support a deaf division, I, I I'll find a way to still do it. But I well, can't. And the sport force will grow, that. right? Like it, I'm, you it, know, it, it, you're not. I don't hear you saying never. I hear you saying no. right now. We with this is these are our restrictions. I hear hey, you if know. they if they get ten or twelve surfers to sign up and say, hey, here's ten or twelve surfers that are going to sign up, then that's forcing my hand. Where I'm saying, okay, financially with these. With these entry fees, this financially can support itself. Does yep. that make sense? Because I have to come up with a prize pool purse of a certain yep. amount of money to pay out. So where do I get that money from? Do I take it from Stoke for Life's pocket? Do the sponsors pay for that? Do the competitors pay for that with entry fees? That's where a majority of we want some of that money to come from is like, hey, if those divisions can support themselves, because, A, I got to come up with $25,000 for a prize purse from sponsors to, A, put on the contest, pay for yep. the permits, pay for the insurance, pay for all the aesthetics of the it's event. It's a lot more that goes in a surf contest than most people realize. Brother, it, it's, it's upwards <laughs> of $60,000 we're spending every year to throw this event. And that's with giving $25,000 away. So we're still, you know, $35,000, $40,000 it's costing us to just build the event. Um, and we have a ton of sponsorship. So that's, you know, we're fortunate that we have a ton of sponsors. And we have those sponsors that have signed on for two or three years. You know, and we're getting new sponsors. We got a hospitality sponsor this year in Visit Oceanside where we're going to be able to get hotel deals through not just one hotel or two hotels, but through the whole city through visit Oceanside. So we'll be able to, you know, where anybody else is coming from, if there's a hotel, Hey, this is the hotel we got to deal with. They don't have any handicap accessible rooms. Hey, through visit Oceanside, you can get that same deal through another hotel that's got an accessible room. So, and, and that's a great thing to have, you know, we don't only have the city support, but we got visit Oceanside support and they're able to reach out and help other people from different countries and different States that are coming to the event with, you know, giving a, a, a you know, a, accommodations that are that are you know accessibility you know it's a huge thing so that's a big deal for us where would you like to see adaptive surfing be and what do you think some of the issues that that kind of come up in our community that a either aren't being talked about or maybe people don't want to talk about or maybe uh just things that we need to do to to elevate this to the next level um that's a good question, dude. Yeah, well, I think that we, we, we really, <laughs> we gained a lot of steam with the unity that we got with the classification. So yeah. ISA agreeing to do classification, uh, Hawaii agreeing to do classification, U S open having that classification, having Dr. Mo be now she's the head of the ISA classification. She's the head of the U S open classification. She's this world tour classification director. So now there's a person that's, responsible for what it looks like and it's and it's united across every front and that was the main thing holding us back now what we need is to keep the momentum going and get some major sponsors we need sponsors like monster you know rockstar we need some of these nike sponsors volcom has already been a sponsor for our event for three years so they're bringing a lot of crossover and they're bringing a lot of legitimacy by supporting our event we need more major surf brands to step in and say we're going to support adaptive surfing as a as a professional gig man these guys are real athletes they're putting their they're putting their shit on the line just like everybody else when they get out there you know when you come to the u.s open and it's six foot at you know at oceanside pier and the current's rushing from south to north five miles an hour through the pier. those aren't slow waves either no bro it's (laughs) it's this is not a this is we wanted our contest to be a contest of like of like, Ooh, <laughs> we got to surf there, you know? Well, like and, it, and, and that's, what's so cool about that. I mean, I know, uh, 
non-adaptive surfers they're like I don't know if I want to paddle out today. And that's yeah. the same day we're having our contest. <laughs> so when it's really good, it's great. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. like I say, the first year was was an example of Santa Ana winds, a perfect south swell. Yeah. And we got four to six foot surf that was perfect. People getting barrels just elevated the surfing. Last couple yeah. of years, we've had really good surf in the mornings. And it's been a little bit tougher situation in the afternoons. And we haven't got so much of the conditions. We kind of got an out of control swell. There were still some good waves though, you know, for sure. And and that's, you know, that's what Oceanside brings. Even if there's no swell, Oceanside will still get a pulse and there'll still be something for us to surf. It's never Lake Oceanside. It's, you know, there's always some kind of pulse (laughs) and we're fortunate that way. And that's why we're stoked to have this as our home. But um, we need, we need, you know, we've got a lot of momentum. So the unity of, of the classification was a huge deal. And I think that's going to solve a a ton of the problems that we had going from event to event and it looking different and having to surf against different people and not, not having that unity of classification was a huge deal. So, so that across the board, I think will, will solve a huge amount of problems now that it looks aesthetically the same. Um, and it feels aesthetically the same from event to event. Um, you kind of know what to expect, at least on some level, if you compete sure. in Oceanside and you go to England, you're like, uh, well, what? what? You know, well, so if we're fortunate enough to have it at the wave pool in England, that's going to set a whole, and some people are, you know, oh, it's, you know, wave pool. And look, man, if you get you're talking perfect, about the one in Bristol, right? Yeah. If you get a perfect yeah. wave <laughs> and you go, hey, you get four perfect waves and you get four perfect waves and the best two waves win. What are you crying about? It's about surfing. It's not about paddling. Yeah. It's not about, it's not about who's got the best endurance, whose team can get them out quicker, who can out position, who, who can look, if you really want to talk about aesthetic competitive surfing, Okay. Give give these guys four perfect waves and see who surfs those four perfect waves better. What's wrong with that? To have one event like that on a tour, it's not gonna it's not gonna ruin everything. It's not gonna it's not gonna make it not pure because you still have surfing in a natural break in Hawaii. You still have sure. you know what I mean it, you still have the U.S. Open. You're yeah. still gonna have to deal with two legs that are conditions. You're so a you're gonna still have to prove that on on a different level at the U.S. Open every year. That's never gonna go away. Um, but to have the opportunity to surf a perfect wave and to say, you know what, we're going to jack this thing up to beast mode and it's going to drop out and you're going to get bucketed it. You're going to have just a perfect wave every time. Like who wouldn't want to experience that at least one leg of a tour? Like, yeah, are we going to make that the whole tour? No, but to have that opportunity to do that and put every one of these adaptive surfers on perfect waves and just go, you know what? We're not going to have to worry about it being blown out today. We're not going to have to worry about low tide and putting, you know, the quadriplegic out. And yeah, yeah. you know, we've had to stagger heats with quads because, you know, unfortunately one year, the first year they got the drained out tide and we can't have those guys out of the drained out tide. We have to have, you know, the wheelchair bound people have to be able to surf in the higher tide in either the rising tide or the dropping tide. And it has to be at the higher side of it, either one of those. Um, because when it gets drained out in ocean side, it's, it's dumping it's, and it's creates a huge problem. It makes it a, a lot harder to get out there. I bet makes it harder for the water team. It makes it harder for the surfer. It makes it harder for the pushing and the, and the catcher. So, so we had to fix that after the first year we were okay. Now we have to pay attention to the tide. We have to say what what's the, the highest tide? When's it dropping? And how can we stagger these heats then? And then we we can't always put everybody in the morning. You know, if you surf in the morning on one day, expect to surf in the afternoon on the next yeah. day. 
because the people that surfed in the afternoon on the first day are now going to get to surf in the morning on the, on the second day. Well, and it so makes you, it a more fair competition, I think, cause you know, you don't have all the extra wakes and stuff. From sure. So imagine through. not having to do that at an event, yep. just going shit. Everybody's going to get a perfect wave and you don't even have to worry about all that crap. It saves yep. the contest director and coordinator, everybody so much time, so much hassle of having to sit down and, and do that a week ahead of time of like, okay, what's the tides going to look like? Because we've had to do that for the last two years and we're going to have to do it again this year. So, um, to not have to do that, it, that's a blessing. So there's so many different layers of a competitor says, Oh, that's good. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, okay. Competitor as, as a competitor and a contest coordinator, director, creator, dude, there's so many more layers to that onion that you're yeah. not even peeling back and that you refuse to see because you're just a competitor. So, and I'm not taking that away from any competitor. You know, it's, it's, we, we don't function without the competitors. I'm a competitor myself, but they have to understand, man, contests aren't easy to put on elite professional events are hard to put on and we Holy. need the support a hundred percent of the athletes and they have to you know do are do we gonna get we want to hear your feedback absolutely we want it we have to hear your feedback to create a better event you know so if, if something goes wrong with the scoring with that's you know with the with the priority with the you know hey that's why it's important that you have professional judges that you have replay for the judges to be able to replay the waves to be able to look and make sure that they get a good score hey if you if you have a judge that's scoring that one a seven and another judge that's scoring at a five, that's a two point differential from judge that's to judge. That's a big gap. That's a huge gap. You'll so, see that though. So sure. having an, uh, the ability to replay that wave on a 35 inch TV right there while they're okay. Hey, why the head judge goes, why are we having this discrepancy? Let's look at that wave again and see why are you scoring it so high? Why are you scoring it so low? And then they come within a point or a half a point. Perfect. Then it's very important for judges to have the ability to do that and replay is a huge part of that. So, and that comes with a professional platform. Does that also part of that too? That makes me think of this, like educating the judges on the different ways that they'd have to surf or surf. Cause like a, a like say for instance, you know, what a, a prone assist guy can do versus, you know, a guy who's blind that can stand, you know, that's, that's a very different menu of options in terms uh, of yeah. what would be actually uh you know, tricky or whatever. Well, that's what they would call a weighted scoring. And when you have divisions yeah. that are mixed and people that are surfing different styles and you have to weight the scoring. Um, and, and that's where we're lucky in California, especially with the WSA and Randy Gilkerson and Greg Cruz and, and those guys that have helped keep the adaptive surf co competitions alive. They gave us a platform when, man, it was just me, Mark and, and Chris showing up to contests, bro, for, for a yep. couple of years, it was just us three guys, you know, and then, you know, Dana, you know, Dana Cummings would come or Rodney Roller or, you know, uh, Ryan Grambrell would show up or, you know, then, then it started getting some, some, some steam, but those guys at the WSA and, and USA surfing gave us a platform for years when there was no momentum behind this. So, um, so those guys have, some of the judges that have been scoring adaptive surfers since 2014, um, do they, are they getting educated about it? For sure. Um, the more that we're able to, to do more events and have the same judges, I think lends itself to, to legitimizing our sport. If we can have 15, 20 judges that have all judged professional or elevated events like the ISA or like the U S open or like the Hawaiian adaptive surfing championships. Um, 
that's great, you know, because it, it just it just lends itself to to more fair scoring and and consistent scoring from event to event. That's what you want to see. And you know, we're fortunate with the U.S. Open. We've got Dave Schulte, who's been our head judge for a couple of years, and we've had a great judging panel that's very experienced and and you know knows a lot about adaptive surfing dave schulte's been you know around adaptive surfers for many years so picking him as our head judge was kind of a no-brainer um because he's he's you know he knows about the community he knows about the divisions but that's a great you know that's a great thing a, a question because that's a hard thing to to do from from country to country because you don't you know who has the ability to fly judges in you know what i mean it's a hard yeah. thing to say hey i'm going to fly yeah this circuit of judges into our disseminating event. though, like at least a little bit of education as to what goes into, you know, what would be impressive for somebody with this particular adaptation versus somebody with this adaptation. You know, like sure. I think that's something that, you know, maybe we don't have the budget to fly in the same judges to each contest, but at least disseminating that awareness probably would, would do a lot to. Well, I think the classification things. is going to solve a lot of that because now, for sure. now, you know, surfers that, that look the same are going to be surfing the same. And so there are questions of like, um, upper limb amputee surfing against a, you know, a below the knee amputee, you know, is a lot different because a guy with two functioning legs and no arm is able to do a lot more than a guy with a below the knee amputation, you know? And so aesthetically you're going, Oh, it's an amputee. And, you know, maybe in the able body mind, it's like, oh, they're both just missing a limb. Right. But you, but you have a guy's lot got, more opportunities to turn if you got both sure. your legs. <laughs> For, or if you've got two functioning ankles, it's a it's a yeah. huge deal. So um, so a judge noticing that and going, oh, okay, here's the difference in the disabilities and, and cognitively going, okay, this guy's 10 is going to look vastly different than this guy's 10. And having the mindset to know the difference. Um, it just comes through education, man. And, and right you know, I think the ISA is trying to do some of that. and. You know, we're definitely doing some of that. You know, we have a, a pretty cool manual that explains a lot of the a lot of the disabilities and what the differences are. And so we give those to our judges a week before the event and say, hey, read this. And if you have any questions, we have Mo Johnson to answer any questions. And and really, she was up in the judging tower a lot, trying to explain a lot to the judges during the event. So I think that um, transparency, just not having any boundaries yeah. in the event to say, hey, what is this? And having a classification doctor being able to go, hey, why don't you run up to the judging tower and go explain a little bit about what the verbiage in that in that booklet means and what it translates to what they're looking at. Um, That's cool. And having That's somebody cool. that can speak that verbiage to a surf, because Mo Johnson is a surfer. Her daughters have been surfing the WSA so it's, And that's circuit. the cool thing about her involvement um, is that she is she lives it from both ends, You know, both as the support as well as somebody who understands the, the beauty of the ocean and getting to play sure. in it. And that's what made the marriage of, you know, the U S open classification of, of having a disabled person kind of draw out the blueprint and having a doctor fill in the, the standard, the, the minimum required standard and, and, and having that verbiage and that testing meet that blueprint of the out, outline that was given was, you know, it's a, it's a, and it, it's had to be tweaked a couple of times and we've had to, we've had to do some moving of different things to make it okay. This is, this is what it, this makes it more fair. The ultimate goal is to have the fairest playing field for every adaptive surfer because every surfer is different. You know, Mark Thornton is never going to out paddle Jeff Munson, you know, sure. to, to have a priority system. That's not a paddle priority because, 
you know, say Mark catches one wave and takes it way to the inside and Jeff catches it's take forever to get all the way back out right. there. Jeff Munson's going to catch three scoring waves and he's going to paddle back out before Mark and establish priority again. So before Mark gets out, he's going to catch one wave before he gets out there and gets the opportunity to move up in the priority line because other people have caught more waves while he's been paddling. Yeah. He should be moving up the priority line every time somebody takes off. He should be bump, bump, bumped up. So by the yep. time he gets out there, he's not He doesn't have to wait sitting in fourth priority, yeah. only catching yep. one wave and everybody else has caught three waves and paddled back out and established priority before him. You know, that's just not a fair playing field and he's never going to get the opportunity to catch two scoring good waves. Um, so when you do the first to take off, last to the line, then everybody moves up accordingly. And second and third can still battle if Mark's still paddling out there. Those guys sure. can still paddle and still have priority yeah. and Mark's still going to be paddling out. And those guys are still going to be second and third and fourth priority and they're still going to be able to to you know use that priority to catch a wave over the other guy that's sitting next to him out there while Mark's still paddling out. So that's why it was real important for us to say, hey, you know, no paddle priority, um, create the most even fair playing field through classification and through through the rules of, you know, of the game, you know, and not saying, hey, you know, we're going to let the most person with the most ability just out paddle you and out surf you all the time, you know, and that's where where a wave pool, you know, comes in handy where you just go, hey, sure, it's not about any of that bullshit. It's about who does what on the face of this wave. And those guys that are all pissing and moaning about, oh, we want well, we want the paddle. We want the endurance. Well, those are the guys that are getting their asses kicked by some other guy when he gets on the face of a wave and shows what he can do. And then he goes, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, that guy sucks when he has to paddle out through five sets on his head and then gets through a wave and he's exhausted. He sucks. But when you put him on a wave and he's fully charged and he rips your ass open and you're like, oh, I, you know, I lost two heats to that guy because... <laughs> Because we put him on a perfect wave and he kicked my ass. You don't got no excuse at that point. You yeah. know, you just got to accept that, hey, we put that guy in a great wave and he did what he was supposed to do. And and I didn't. And so, you know, maybe a, a portion of that's kind of a ego check, humble pie thing. You know, it's like, yeah, maybe those some of those guys are going to perform great in conditions. And some of the other guys are going to perform great in the wave pool. And and that's going to weigh itself out. And, and I can't yeah. wait to see that for us because – Able body surfing gets that. They already have had that for yeah. a couple of years. We have not had that. And it's been very select few adaptive surfers have gotten to surf a place like the Bristol Wave Pool and Kelly Slater's Wave Ranch and um, a few of those places. Yeah. And you've, well, you've been fortunate I, enough to surf <laughs> Kelly's Wave Ranch. So that, that was bananas. I've been surfing for less than a year when I got to do that. That, like, that doesn't but, happen. It's it's and you know I got to give you love, bro, because you wore a Stoke for Life shirt when yeah, you absolutely. were there. You, you saw me when yeah, I was up I did, there, you bro. Know? So I got I, you know that was a couple of years ago. So you've been supporting us for years, bro, and you do a great job. And yeah, thanks and, for that, man. Know, that's where we're we're doing what we're doing, and we're at where we're at because we have support of the community, and and you guys find value in what we do, and so that you know that that's a, a great compliment. Sick dude, I I think we're we're getting close to to the end of our, our time, but I want to I, I hesitate to do this because it is you we're talking about. I know you like sure. to talk, uh, but I always like to give um, you know guests and people who are on the show the opportunity to get to something that maybe the conversation didn't flow to. If there's something that's kind of on your mind that you want to put out into the the earbuds or headphones of people listening. Yeah, you know, if there isn't anything, but don't worry no, about it. No, there's but. something, man. There's so with this COVID thing, and there's a lot of crazy politics going out there, and people's differing opinions, and everybody's got to be racially cool right now. And 
And look, man, what I want to put out there is right now, small businesses are, are suffering tremendously. Local businesses are sinking fast. Nonprofits depend on those businesses and corporations to support our abilities to do what we do. So a lot of nonprofits are sinking fast. And, and uh, so my message is to people out there is like, look, man, let your political view be your political view if that's what it comes to. But remember, we're all American brothers and we all live in this same beautiful place and we get the opportunity to live a, a life of, of, of we're all privileged, man, in my opinion, because if you work your ass off and, and you're, and you're focused, then you can achieve great things in this country. And that's, that's a given. And, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a shining example of that. I came from poor white people. My mom was worked two jobs. We were on welfare, my whole existence, man. I grew up on government cheese and powdered milk. And at one time we were so poor that our, my brothers and sisters had to steal food from the grocery store so my family could eat. And that's real shit. And that's how I grew up. I never grew up with a fucking spoon in my mouth and nobody handed me shit because, you know, I'm white and Latino, uh, you know, people see a white guy, but my father was Spanish, Latino, a hundred percent. So they see a white guy when they look at me, but my genetic makeup is I'm Mexican and I'm, and I'm, you know, Irish and English and, but, sure. you know, so just love your friend, love your brother, you know, don't let the political bullshit get in the way of, of just love and an appreciation for what we have here and what we're able to do with hard work and, and belief in each other. Um, just, you know, support each other, man. And, and if you can give, give right now, because everybody's struggling, man, everybody, every nonprofit struggling right now, every business out there, every business owner. Um, I've known a ton of businesses right here. That pizza place was in business for 40 years here. Yeah. I I got a little, I never had the opportunity. I saw you talking about that. They're out of business, bro. And, And that was a rite of passage for every North County kid from Oceanside to Carlsbad, La Costa. All those kids grew up on that pizza place. They supported every sport around here from soccer teams baseball teams softball teams bowling teams all those sports are now missing a sponsor all of these kids at high school i ditch school and go eat calzones at that pizza place it was a rite of passage dude and now the next generation isn't going to have that because of all this crap that's going on um and so my you know my message is just support each other don't let this political bullshit get in the way of, of your friendships and of your of your regardless of your beliefs, man, my best friend and me stand on, you know, not the same side, but not opposing sides, but, you know, but we're able to find a, a, a ground where we can discuss our differences and still Seems love like each you guys other. can connect where you can connect and you, you find the, the points of love and whatever, where you got them. Pro, trust me, we have arguments and we get at each other, but at the end of the day, he's my best friend and he's been through every hardship that I've ever had and every victory I've ever I've ever celebrated. He's been there, you know. So, what am I going to let some political crap, some belief that I have, get in the way of something that I know is like pure love? It's like brotherhood. And like, dude, if you're like this guy's left his job in the middle of the day to take me to the hospital because I couldn't take myself, you know. And and that's to me, that's a huge thing of like, dude, I'm leaving my job to go help somebody. 
And that was, to me, is a huge thing. And he's done that, yeah, that over kind of stuff transcends and over politics. and over and over, <laughs> dude. Like, you know, over yeah. our 25-year relationship, he's done that numerous times for flat tires on Christmas Eve, bro, or I got a flat tire on the freeway on Christmas Eve, bro. I'm crippled in a wheelchair. I can't get out on the fucking freeway to change a tire. <laughs> and and I'm like, who am I going to call, dude? I, fuck, I'm going to call my best friend, dude. And And what does he do? He comes and changes my tire on Christmas Eve on the freeway. So these are things that, you know, just love each other, man, and, and, and support each other. And, and it's tough times for us right now. But look, we're going to make it out through this on the other end. We're all going to be a great community. We're going to be stronger for it. We're going to be closer because we supported each other through all of this crazy stuff. And, uh, and we're going to surf, man. And so just get in the water. Um, share that water time with your brothers. Be responsible. Wear a mask. Don't be this... Don't be the donkey that's on YouTube going, <laughs> fuck you. I'm not wearing a mask. You're taking away. Look, man, my mom's 80 years old, bro. Like if I'm not wearing a mask for myself, I'm wearing it to protect my mom. My aunt, her sister is 85 years old. I love them. They've made me the man that I am today. So if uh, I will wear a mask to protect them, you know, and to protect other people's grandparents and other people's mothers and fathers. Um, and think outside of yourself. Do something outside of yourself. And stop being so selfish, man, and just love each other. Beautifully said, man. So uh, thanks for coming on, dude. It was uh, it was rad. Had a lot of cool things to share. So appreciate you, man, and thanks for the support. Okay, Much Absolutely. love and respect, Jedi. Right on, brother. As I've said before, say it again. Adventure is a state of mind. How you live it is up to you. 